Welcome to Failed Architecture Breeze Blocks, where our editors share their thoughts on works in progress, urgent matters, and current happenings in architecture and spatial politics. My name is Charlie Clamos. I'm joined by my fellow editor, Rene Boer. Hi, Rene. Hi, Charlie. So um, we're, as you can probably guess from the p- potential echo in the room. We're in the base of operations, the failed architecture office in the heart of the red light district in Amsterdam. And um, in a way, I guess that is the topic of our conversation. Rene, I think kind of just before the pandemic hit, is that right? I wrote a manifesto Valen 2020 uh, about the neighbourhood, a sort of alternative statement about what direction the neighbourhood should go in. You can find a link to the Valen 2020 manifesto in the show notes. Rene, maybe it would be good to talk a little bit about the neighbourhood and also uh, what prompted you to do the manifesto? Yeah, so we're here in the field architecture office in the middle of the red light district. Uh, in Dutch, it's known as the as the Valle. And yeah, maybe from now on, I will just use the, that word. Um, and we've been here for five years. And over time, we really started uh, to get to know the, to get to know the neighborhood really well um, and how it functions. But also, we start to understand better some of the pressures that are on the on the neighborhood that are pretty intense. And what you've seen over, especially I think the last two years, um, is this increasing pressure to yeah basically clean up and sanitize uh, the neighborhood. It used to be a pretty rough neighborhood with a lot of criminality, a lot of drug problems, but I mean, that's all long gone. And we're now at a stage that the neighborhood is actually really interesting. It's really layered. It's really complex. It's home to many different communities. It's really intense uh, and a very beautiful and interesting part of the city. And I think, yeah, the pressure to to sanitize it and get some of the, let's say, yeah, slightly rougher functions for which the neighborhood is also known, for example, the sex work, but also some of the liberties around drugs to all get it out of the neighborhood and turn it into your average Amsterdam, a nice historical neighborhood. And I think that pressure is increasing and I try to give some counterbalance to that to that pressure. So, so there's these sort of like conflicting visions of what direction the, um, the neighborhood should be going in, right? And um, the two articles you sent, um, you know, really talk about the... Um, the, the neighborhood as if it's a problem that needs um, to yeah. be solved. The two pieces I refer to here are an article in Het Parole by Zef Hamel, for which the title, translated from Dutch, is, in quotation marks, Turn the Centre of Amsterdam into a Garden, and an article in Trouw by Hans Marijnissen, for which the title translated from Dutch is, Ombudsman Raises the Alarm, The Centre of Amsterdam is a Lawless Jungle at Night. Links to both articles are available in the show notes. One of the things that sort of jumped out were, were these kind of descriptions of the area as an urban jungle, really like evocative of the kind of urban renewal narrative that you, we've had since like the 60s, 70s, that kind of thing. The idea that the city should be like cleansed of its kind of um, unruly elements. Could you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good you're saying that because the neighborhood is being presented as a problem, but it's not a problem at all. I mean, it's pretty intense. There's a lot of people coming here to to visit it and see and enjoy the neighborhood. It is very complex and layered. So it's, there's sex work is going on, for which is most famous. But there's also a Chinatown. It has a large LGBTQIA plus community. There's a lot of 
Uh, and it's also like a historic neighborhood. So there's a lot of complex communities and layers that relate to each other. And that's what makes it so interesting. And I think there's yeah, a few groups in the city and that's a particular also, let's say, the the heritage fanatics in the city were like kind of pushing yeah, to, to, to clean it up. And they uh, have also kind of introduced this kind of terms of the urban jungle. And what is interesting is that also the, the municipality is kind of taking this on and then they hired some kind of urban researcher, a quite locally well-known figure actually, to produce like a counter plan or like a plan for the future of the neighborhood. And he stayed within this like nature, natural terms, and he proposed to turn the urban jungle into a monumental garden, which, yeah, which kind of says it all, right? right. Yeah. I mean, it's inherently ahistorical, isn't it? I mean, it's not actually in line with the historical development of the center of Amsterdam, of De Valen. Like to, to turn the center of the city into a garden, that's not like heritage. That's um, kind of counter to the, the the history of it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, yes. So it like it's kind of counter to what Amsterdam stands for, what it, what it has been, what it also, but it is also counter to what a city is, right? Like an intense place for encounter and cultural societal progress in general and but on the other hand like you can also say it's a historical continuity Mm -hmm. because most of Amsterdam has becoming quite a polished and as we like to say like smooth kind of city right and uh, the Valle is the only neighborhood that is still a bit of an unruly piece of urbanism so Mm -hmm. actually to incorporate the Valle within the larger smooth city of Amsterdam is actually that's an historical continuity in that point of view Mm -hmm. right it's the final step of uh, I'd, I'd like to get to that in a sec, but I wanted to also talk about just this element within the um, the parole article that you sent me. Yeah, the, the article from Zafemel, right? Um, it starts off really reasonably. Like you read a lot of it and you're kind of like, yeah, like we in a way have lost an element of like the idea that the center of the city is this place where people come together, you know, the Agora, where like citizens actually go through you really do feel that in Amsterdam. You know, there's a lot of like reasonable yeah. elements to the analysis in that, yeah. he, that he makes. Uh, is it he or he, Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I really don't agree there on that point. I okay. Have to say. Right. Yeah. Well, no, l- 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 let me just say a bit okay. more. But, uh, like you can see where I, it's not that I agree necessarily. I just mm. think that you can see it's, it's, it's sort of resonating with certain people's like frustrations about Ugh, like going through the middle of the city. There's too many tourists, right? Yeah. It is like chiming with a frustration that I think probably a lot of Amsterdamers and just people residing mm. here find with the, the center, you know, and the number of tourists, but like, yeah, I'd be really interested to hear like your counterpoint yeah. to that, you know. I mean, I think this, the social cohesion in the, in the neighborhood is actually really large and much larger than in like the, the polished, boring and sanitized neighborhoods outside of the city center. Mm-hmm. That on, on the one hand, so, and on the other hand, there's this idea of the fact that this neighborhood might not relate to the city's inhabitants anymore. I also don't think that's true. If you see like also locals who actually visit the sex workers, but also like, for example, a local art scene who has its base here. So there, it has like a lot of local functions. I mean, it's totally yeah. like how you define the locals right like who are the people and it is saying like it is bourgeois elements in the rest of the sort of smooth amsterdam city trying to lay claim to the final vestige of something that doesn't represent them but actually it comes back to this question of like continuity right it's like what could be more continuous than the people who have been here for many years who who still maybe do benefit from this sort of red light district as it is anyway that 
point maybe brings me to the maybe the last one i don't know maybe the last thing i wanted to bring up about like what the future is you know like yeah um you posted the other day this like picture of a rendering from moak architect and i i think i got that right sort of a proposal for a development which basically puts the red light district in a building uh on the i don't know where it would be do on you, the outskirts we, anywhere on the yeah. outskirts of amsterdam yeah very w- worth taking a look at it's quite a striking architectural intervention mm. i wouldn't call it a very interesting or very good one but i mean maybe interesting in sort of showing the like how heinous the architectural profession is when it's at its worst but maybe you could talk a little bit more about what the details are of this p- proposed development and what it means or what it could mean for the yeah. red light district Yeah, so what is interesting is that I, I published this manifesto early March, just before the lockdown, when the red light district or the Vala was still like full of people and yeah, still it's itself. And then the lockdown happened and two days later, everyone was gone, everything was closed and it turned into like this really boring, quiet village. And suddenly there was also this discourse like, oh, this is the kind of Vala that we should have. And, and now we actually have our monumental garden, right? So how are we going to preserve this? So yeah, it kind of f- feeds into this narrative of like uh, nature is healing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so over the last half year, I think in, uh, in the pressure uh, to keep this kind of valor and to ma- to implement change to to keep it this way is actually growing by the day and also the the mayor introduced all kinds of new policy proposals uh, and they apparently also worked with architects and investors to propose these alternatives and what's actually yeah she will yeah she will unveil the the actual plans uh, probably in the coming week which will include this new erotic center on the outskirts of Amsterdam in this Yeah, really ridiculous kind of uh, architectural imagination that they they produced, and they're probably also going to announce to close most of the, the the windows within the area, and also make sure that the coffee shops can only cater to people with Dutch passports, as part of like a larger package of of, uh, of measures here in the neighborhood. But what is interesting is that like um, the sex workers don't want to move. Um, the coffee shops are not a problem. So in in overall, what you see is that this is this process of like sanitizing the neighborhood that has no grounding in yeah, some of the problems that that might be there, but are actually not really there. Yeah, I mean, it might be worth having a look at this at this rendering, right? I really want to come back to it because I think it is just, a, it's, it's really like, I mean, it is quite despicable in a way. I guess the sort of implications it has for like you know, this, as you say, the sort of sanitization of the neighborhood, yeah. it's, it's like tabula rasa kind of architecture at its worst, isn't it really? Like, But um, also the audacity of the architects, yeah. right? That like you're being asked by the mayor, like, hey, can you just like quickly draw up this, uh, this architectural thing and without consulting the people who are going to use it, right? Yeah. The sex workers and yeah, the people yeah. who are going to visit the sex workers. I mean, it's, it's really like the last straw that it's red, like it's bright red, right? Like, yeah. it, you know, it's sort of, okay, you know, you, you can't have your red light district, but you can have a building that's red you know like it, it's, yeah, exactly. it's so so yeah. disrespectful yeah. um yeah i don't know um but the the whole thing do you have the feeling that it, the momentum is in favor of the the current process and where do you think your manifesto might be able to fit in i guess to the mm. to respond to this like yeah that's a good question i mean currently there is not much organization within the neighborhoods and i hope really that the, the counter manifesto that i wrote that it 
opens people's eyes on how really great the neighborhood actually is and how it's a home for many different kind of communities and how it offers qualities that you really don't have in the rest of the city. In, like this intensity, this sensorial delusions almost, right? And I think that is really something that is also worth preserving or not only preserving, but also like uh, actualizing and extending it into the future rather than cutting it short. And I really hope that this counter manifesto yeah, works maybe as a bit of a mobilizing tool around that. It's being shared a lot in the neighborhood and I hope it works as a bit of a counterbalance when in the coming weeks the, the new plans are being unveiled by the mayor. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of organizing that still needs to happen if we want to pre- prevent it, because I think the, the forces of the of the smooth city that want to incorporate this neighborhood within the rest of the city are pretty big. Well, let's hope. Um, yeah, let, let's hope it has that kind of impact. Yeah. Okay, uh, thanks, Rene. Yeah, thank you, Tony.